Hi guys, welcome to For the Love of Business podcast. Where we host honest conversations with the people behind the businesses you love. We think it's so important now more than ever to highlight what it takes to survive and thrive as an independent business. And highlight what it really takes to do what you love and love what you do. I'm your host, Carolyn. And I'm Cody. And this is For the Love of Business. Okay, fantastic. Lucy, I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for coming. Yes. Um, we are still getting our podcast legs. Um, Under us. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and um, it's been really fun, and I'm so glad you're one of the first guests because we have the best chats. And um, we were just talking before we hit record that that was one of the inspirations behind starting the podcast is all these great conversations I have with Cody when you come in to pick up your takeout and when you come to pick up your um, coffees and when I'm picking up veggies and, um, I just always leave our conversation so inspired and so energized and you have the best advice and you have great ideas to you, Cody. And I just, um, think it might be really nice for other business owners to hear some of your insight and also, um, just kind of behind the scenes of some of the work that goes into the, amazing, amazing place that is Sangley, thanks to all of your um, blood, sweat, and tears. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, so Lucy, I guess we'll start in the beginning, just where you grew up, background, college, and then kind of the 30,000 foot view of how you're now at Sangley today. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Lucy. Um, I work at Sangley Farms, and I grew up out here on the North Fork in Laurel. Um, so I went to Mattituck High, and yeah, I traveled and went to college and then made my way back here after um, woofing, working on organic farms, uh, volunteering in New Zealand. And my sort of reason for doing that was to um, just be outside more and become outdoorsy. <laughs> you know, I felt like I was in school for so many years and really wanted to explore being outside and what that felt like. And um, from that intention came learning more about um, farming. Um, and then from there, just my love for organic farming and growing food and being outside. So, um yeah, I feel like it was more a lifestyle choice, whereas sometimes when you're in school, you're shown all these different academic areas or focuses or interests, um, which are great. But once I started to think about what kind of lifestyle I wanted, um, farming sort of started to make more sense. And then when I came back home, um, I decided on a whim to start working at Sangley to see if I liked it as a job, not just volunteering. Um, and I did. <laughs> and uh, I met Will, my partner. Um, that was about uh, 12 years ago. Wow. So, yeah. So it's been a while. It's been my um, career pretty much since college. Um, and that has taken many turns within the farm and the business, which is what's interesting once you get into a business, not just your interest. It becomes about running a business and um you know, now I run the business with Will and his father, um, and we are the third generation on the farm. So wow. it's pretty cool That's to awesome. be in that seat, um, but also to wear the many hats, you know, that I do and that I have for the last uh, little over a decade. Yeah. So that's such an interesting perspective that you took. I don't think a lot of people then, because I guess at that point you're in your 20s, mm -hmm. not so much asking, like, what do I want to be when I grow up, but almost 
where do I want to be? How do I want my life to yeah. look? That's what do I want to do every day? Like, how, do I want to be outside? Do I want to use my hands? Do I want to use my brain? Like, what part of my brain? <laughs> you know, it really matters, I feel, because sometimes on paper, a job can look so one way or the other. But, um, I mean, you guys know running a business that it's, you do everything all the time. And you couldn't, you, it's hard to put that on paper or, you know, sometimes talk about a day in the life because it changes so much. But, um, but yeah, you're being able to work with people, um, solve problems, you know, learn about science with growing food. You know, it's multifaceted. And I think sometimes it's hard to know until you're in it what really you'd be doing in a career or a job. And it's hard as a young person to make a lot of decisions about your college and your schooling and then not really knowing what that's going to be. So you see a lot of people getting back into farming after they've pursued a certain career. Um, and usually we have a lot of people come to us who've been like, kind of exhausted from being in a desk job and want to get their hands dirty and yes it can be romanticized for sure yeah but I see the intention there and I totally understand that motivation that's um that is so interesting because that seems to be a theme with a lot of the entrepreneurs that we talked to is that they were doing one thing and it was all wrong yeah. and it looked really good on paper yeah. and it looked really good in a degree and then <laughs> they had to just kind of listen to that kind of like heart of hearts mm -hmm. and um how lucky for us that you figured that out kind of early <laughs> on <laughs> because you've inspired so many awesome programs too on the farm between like you said it kind of evolves when you start to really run the business mm -hmm. because it got inspired from you wanting to kind of just get your hands dirty to your csa program to your um children's camp, camp yeah. and all the education that goes into those programs that yeah you're behind a lot of that inspiration as well. And that was sort of born from the desire to, once I learned about growing food and what was behind it, saying, wow, I really want to be like upstream of teaching kids specifically, like how to, you know, what is involved with it and why it's healthy, why it tastes good when you grow it fresh, you know, all the things. But um, that sort of program in my head came out of the desire now to share what I had learned. Um, and it continues to. I think now I'm sharing it more with people that work for me um, and the community. But um, I was definitely really, you know, spearheading that at the time. And now um, I've kind of delegated that to other people that are teachers and in the summer they have off and they're better at the teaching part. <laughs> That's great. But again, I feel like with a business, you sort of, I always compare it like, I feel like I have, you know, I am my person, but I have my arms and my fingers, and it feels like if I'm not touching the ground personally, like everyone else at the farm is touching what we're doing, but it all comes back to sort of my direction in some ways, and that feels like I'm still connected to the work, even if I'm not a part of it every day. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned that, because this was one of the questions I actually like to ask, is how do you stay on track for that vision? And it's so seasonal. So I know that you kind of probably shape shift throughout the year and you're not mm -hmm. the same Lucy in April than you are in, yeah. um, you know, October. Definitely Just like not. I'm <laughs> certainly not the same person in August that I am in summer <laughs> May. <laughs> we have our season of sacrifice. Season I of stole sacrifice. That from you. <laughs> I love that. Um, so can you speak on that a little bit? Because you have a lot of moving parts, obviously, mm -hmm. at the farm, and um, whether or not you answer kind of like in the day in life of or in kind of that seasonality of how things shift, but mm -hmm. you have a lot of great programs, and you've definitely learned how to delegate, which mm -hmm. is a, another whole great subject Skill. on its own. <laughs> yeah. um, so I guess my question is, 
how do you kind of stay on course? How do you stay focused on the projects? And Mm -hmm. do you have kind of like that vision somewhere every day that you see it? (laughs) Like, how do you kind of keep that focus? Yeah, I feel like that is um, always a challenge, but I do feel like a focused person. And sometimes even um, when I'm feeling really focused and intense, you know, it's like I can be smiley and happy, but sometimes I get very serious about my work because, you know, I care and I'm really into it. But um, I feel like it is seasonal, like you said, and um, the springtime, I feel like, is a time of just like with the vegetables, like growth and, you know, starting anew where I'm hiring new people. And it, it, the spring requires a lot of energy from me, I feel, because everything is starting up again. And as a farm where we close a little in the winter, it's challenging to, you know, like start the engine again and <laughs> get everything moving. But it's also equal parts inspiring and um, interesting every year because it changes. So I feel like we have kind of a chance every year to like begin again Um, and that like break and even just for me mentally to have that break gives me the time to come up with thoughts, um, really work on them in my head and then implement them in the spring. Feels kind of like comparing the year to a cycle of a day where you have your day and then you sleep and you work on all the things that you need to in your sleep in the winter and then you wake up in the morning and it's the spring and you kind of have all these great ideas and so much energy and you put them out there um but sometimes not all of them can happen so I think that's the part where working with Will and Fred is really helpful to have like three minds in that because we all have different energies and perspectives and positive negative viewpoints on things that um are really helpful because if you're always coming up with new ideas and you're positive about it um sometimes when they don't stick or you come up with too many (laughs) you need sometimes that grounding person to be like okay we've tried that or oh this is the practical side so if you can work together sometimes it's good to have a team that kind of talks about that and that helps me have focus and we have um weekly meetings with the three of us and that has been helpful too to um kind of go over some of that and stay focused and kind of like recalibrate every week like what is our priorities and what each other might think is priority and try to work together because sometimes you can just run in many directions and you know you're all in charge of your own thing but sometimes having that um you know time to get together and check in yeah um and then in the summer I try to set it up so that I'm in just go mode and it's almost easier in some ways for me it feels more like physical or you know in my body of just movement but all the planning has kind of happened and all the setting things up to go well and the seeds are in the ground the plants are growing so now it's just maintaining it's so (laughs) metaphorical and it's also so literal which is is really cool I'm a fan of metaphors I love that um, and then in the fall I feel like it's my time like even right now it's you know kind of dealing with issues in my body from the seasons wear and tear it's sort of like the tune-up you know kind of doing things like that Um, but I try sometimes in the summer someone who works for me will say hey I really want to offer this class or this program and um, sometimes I have to be like I don't think I have the energy to put out a new thing right now (laughs) so I think it also is a balance of uh, learning how to say no to yourself and others and being okay with that has been a big thing I've had to learn and um, kind of get comfortable with because sometimes you even yourself you're like I really want to do it but no right now you know maybe later (laughs) I feel like that's definitely a theme we've heard from several people like you have all these great ideas but trying to narrow down you want to say yes to everybody and everything but you have to stay true to what 
you're passionate about and what you have the energy for, frankly. It is the theme, and it's hard, especially, I think, when you have that entrepreneurial kind of spirit because you do get, you're driven to Mm -hmm. do these things, and it it really could be a good idea. But I always kind of say everything you say no to, everything you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. So you do have to kind of pick and choose what what you're doing. Can you... um, speak to how you started as just like volunteering your time and learning the basics to developing all the way to now running a business like and how that helped you instead of just like oh I met well this is I'm just going to step in a management role whereas like you kind of seem to have progressed all the way up how that pros and cons and what you learned on that journey yeah it's interesting kind of joining a family business that wasn't my family (laughs) and there is something about that and I've talked to a few other business owners that have kind of been in the same role but um, yes, it wasn't like I just met Will and then, you know, started managing people. Right. Um, but I think that's why I, you know, was committed to sticking around and being at the farm for sure. And that's why a lot of farms are like family run because <laughs> it is hard to um, have people commit to it as much as you do that um, aren't family and in it for the long haul. So, wow. so I guess, yeah, so I started working in the... I think I had a unique role because at the time it was very um, sort of separate where you had the field and the farm stand and then we had farmer's markets and we did have a CSA. So all those pieces were still there. Um, and when I got involved, I sort of was interested in all of them. And um, Louise like gave me that chance to sort of have my hand in many areas, which uh, now it's harder to do. Um, so I think I had a unique opportunity there to see a lot of the different pieces and um, really start from the ground up. And I remember um, one of my first jobs in the field was we plant stuff into these um, like plastic rows to keep the weeds down. It's called plastic mulch. And when you lift it, uh, there's pieces that sometimes are out there still. So Fred was like, can you go out and like pick all those pieces up that are left? And, you know, it's real grunt work. Yeah. And um, I just remember being out there like, oh, my God, I'm like picking up plastic out of a field. Like and I just graduated college. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. But um, but that feel like that moment, I remember feeling like, wow, like, what am I doing? But it was really humbling, you know, yeah. because I had to really learn from the baseline and grow from there and see all the pieces from the ground and I think that's what has allowed me to manage better now because I've done all those jobs you know and Will always says to me um, and says to people that work for us like I'd never ask you to do something that I haven't done myself you know? <laughs> it's a really good sign of a, of a strong leader yeah. I think yeah because yeah. you can't sit in the ivory tower and tell everyone else what to do no they won't and you know that you've done it and you got to work with people so um so yeah we've I've definitely worked in that and then the farmers markets which is how I got to know Will we worked the West Hampton Beach market together which I still work now and now I run um but yeah and then the farm stand I work too and then in that I was sort of helping them get some of the back end like website and newsletter and marketing I kind of took an interest in that um the logos like streamlining all that because I had but I had studied art, so I was interested in that as well. Um, what an awesome combination. Yeah. yeah. The newsletter is beautiful, by the way. I Thank love you. it. <laughs> I just remember taking emails from Google and, like, putting them on MailChimp and just that first step. You know, like, there's so yeah. many firsts. So while there has been so much of the farm that has existed before me, I mean, you know, decades and decades, um, there were a lot of things new that I kind of brought us into the current um, age, and that has felt good to see those things through. Um 
so yeah, I guess I just always had ideas, but I wasn't afraid to um, stand behind them and put the work in. And they saw that and allowed me to sometimes have those projects. The farm camp was my second year, and I said I wanted to do it. And Will's mom said, okay. But I like built the beds myself, and I remember doing stuff on my own time, and you know, really just trying to make the project happen from my own passion and doing a farm-to-table dinner because I wanted to see what that was like, and then realizing that it was really hard <laughs> and to make no money. Um, so really just like having ideas but being willing to do all the work, which some people have ideas, but they're not willing to stay late, do extra, and I always was. I always had that work ethic, so I think that allowed me to progress within, within the farm. Um, and then um, there was sort of a point where I had sort of reached, I think, my potential within some of the stuff that I was doing. And if you remember, I took a little break from the farm and worked. Oh, for that's you. right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Of course. Um, so I worked at Lovely. And, and that um, was a nice little break for me from the farm and gave me perspective on it. Um, and just being in my community where I grew up and kind of redefining myself as someone who lived here now, you know. I think that's sort of was an important thing for me um, working here and then um, one of our senior managers at the farm he was sick for a couple years so um, there was sort of a need within the CSA management and other areas um, so I hopped in that so it was kind of like I took a break and then reapproached it from a different um, position in a way um, and then that helped me really re redefine the CSA and like add to it and put my spin on it um, and then, yeah, there's just been a lot of different things throughout the years that the need was there. So then it was something I was good at or interested in, and I jumped in, and maybe someone left, and I had to take over that role, or someone new started, so I decided I wanted to delegate that to someone else. I wasn't, you know, thriving in it or wasn't necessary, you know. But I always like taking on a section of the business that needed attention, and I still feel that way. Every year there's a different part of the business that needs love. Yeah, <laughs> your love. And, yeah, <laughs> and attention and rethinking and refiguring out and yeah. just looking at again of something that's been in motion for years or decades um, so that's always exciting to me in the spring is to kind of find that section sometimes you pick it sometimes it picks you <laughs> that's great you know if there's uh, like if someone's been in a role for years and then they leave for some reason and you're like wow I never trained them in that so now I have to figure it out from the back you know backwards um, but maybe there's things that we've been doing all these years that we could do differently or more efficiently or you know mm -hmm. things like that really fire me up to be able to like problem solve and redesign and that creative energy feels really um, great for me of running a business that's um, good to have that perspective as well and seeing some of those challenges as opportunities because yeah. you probably look at it it's such a great um, like just a different point of view yeah I mean, those are good days, you know. We yeah. all have those days where <laughs> actually, it's just work and it's a challenge. I know. I mean, that's actually another question, too, is, like, when you really are kind of um, going through some challenges, are there some – is there someone or something that sometimes you kind of turn to or go to, or is it different in the past that when you really hit a snag or when you're just really burnt out, mm -hmm. some kind of ritual or advice that yeah. you might have for other people? Because I know, like, I – just I'm always so inspired by the work that you do but I know that we talk a lot about like you said the seasons and those burnouts mm -hmm. and those challenging times um is there something that's kind of like your go-to yeah I mean I feel like having um a good yoga practice and you know doing something outside of work that is physical for me um really helps balance me but also um 
having friends and people that are outside my farm world, like just gives me that perspective. Um, but yeah, I feel like having a good day-to-day -day balance and things that you do every day and those rituals um, helps me kind of keep that in check. But I do love coming in here and uh, talking to you. Yeah, I, I know. Like, we, we actually have know, a lot of problems it's together. It's a support group sometimes, <laughs> you know. It really is. Um, but you know, I feel like, yeah, you gravitate towards certain people where you can talk to about it. And um, Will and I have sort of a no work talk at home policy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which good is for you. Great. Is it work? Yeah. That yeah. Is that positive? Yes. That must be great. hard. Well, we have our meetings at work that um, we can talk about things, you know, but trying not to take that home because um, that can be challenging healthy. when you work Just together work every day. Yeah. Wow. Sure. Um, so we try to do that. Obviously, sometimes it doesn't always work, but that's our intention. Um, and then I also try to go home at five every day. Um, so for me, I'm an early bird and I'm there like usually the first one or second one there. Um, and I help load the trucks in the morning and I'm, I just have that morning energy. But by five o'clock, I sort of have said to myself over the years like that I won't, um, that I try to leave then or earlier so that I have my evening balance, you know? Um, so Such I can cook dinner. You know, I just try to like have those things because if you're the first one there, I don't want to be the last one there. I mean, that is the typical thing that business but, owners you know, say. But you know, that is kind of a culture that has existed that I think is slowly... I think sometimes that like maybe this generation or like I, I don't know if it's an age thing or if it's just people that I've been speaking to recently that yeah. it could have been COVID. It just a, there was yeah. a huge shift and mm -hmm. more and more I think people are like, you know what? Yeah, this has to just I have to put like I have to like put a line in the sand and yeah. take it's care of similar to the delegating conversation. It's yeah. learning to let go a little bit and, and just trust like, people. I don't. Yeah, I yeah. don't need to be here from sundown, sunrise to sunset. Yeah, just, you know, or letting go of the idea that everything has to be perfect all the time because yeah, like if you do it your way, it might be, you know, perfect in your eyes. But being like, I would rather be sane than have it be done. And know somebody <laughs> else is doing it eighty to nine percent as good yeah. as what I want. Yeah. And sometimes you learn from other people doing it a different way. You think you know it all in the best way, but if you open your mind to that, um, again, these are on good days where you can see it that way. <laughs> it's October. Um. <laughs> That's just another great sign of, I think, too, what makes your work and being at Sangley so special, too, because I just think that translates into the whole experience there because it's such a special place, and we haven't even gotten to the part of it being just this beautiful organic farm yeah. with the most delicious, gorgeous, <laughs> picturesque vegetables. Yeah, it's really a one of one on the North Fork. I can't even really think of anyone that does what you guys do as well as you guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's such a, can you just speak to what what has made it that way over the years and how you continue to evolve to yeah. kind of define your own path and not worry about what anyone else is doing, I guess? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I came into it 12 years ago, so... Um, the history of the farm, I mean, there's it's a rich history, so I won't get into too much of it, but um, Will, my partner, his grandfather started the farm with his uncles in the 40s, um, and they grew Asian vegetables, and then uh, all wholesale. And then in the 80s, um, Will's grandfather passed, and Will's father, Fred, took over the farm. It was still all wholesale. Um, they've moved east over the years. They were in Huntington, Mariches. Um, oh, wow. They moved to South uh, to Kutchog, uh, Peconic area in '87, the year I was born, actually. Um, and that was the time when they were still doing wholesale. 
but it was shifting and there was really no money in that from growing on Long Island because California and Mexico were growing things for a lot cheaper and shipping it for cheaper. So it still is the case where growing food on Long Island, especially out here, is very um, expensive. And that might also be why we're one of one doing what we're doing. Um, But we are built on the uh, some farms are built on people's past careers and they decided to start a farm after with that money. We're built on the generations passing down land and um, kind of having some of that infrastructure or the tractors or things to start with. But the farm went through a real challenging time in the 80s um, when that whole wholesale model wasn't working. So um, I always kind of feel like the farm has sort of, you know, change or die. <laughs> like yeah. that yeah. feels like a Evolve or die motto for sure. to me. Um, and a theme which uh, they had to do so um, Will's mom she was really instrumental in Karen in um, taking the wholesale and turning it to retail um, just because people were driving by and wondering what the farm did and wanting greens and things like that foresight so yeah yeah, so she was uh, like kind of bagging up greens and selling them on the road and then turn their garage of the farm office into that and it just kind of grew out of people's being interested so I think that is a key thing is um, having the demand and then creating you know the supply kind of growing that sometimes if you just have a great idea and start something and you don't really look at is there a market for it or demand um, you have to look at those things so I feel like we've always sort of like responded to the demand in a way within reason obviously we can't grow pineapples on New York sure. <laughs> but what I mean there is there a lot just, of people asking for pineapples <laughs> <laughs> I know but um, you know just kind of responding to the need and then um, adapting our business and not staying super rigid in a certain way of doing it for right. too long. Um, and Fred always reminds us of that now, is um, that anything could change on a dime. We're in a food industry where we're selling perishable products. Yeah. It's very uh, risky, <laughs> as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a need, and people need to eat. And so we all are in the business of food, and there's something amazing about that where it's always going to be, you know, that people need food and they need it regularly. And so there's power in that as well. Um, but especially on the North Fork, as it's shifted, um, the direct-to-consumer market has expanded, and now we do 100% direct-to-consumer. We don't really wholesale at all. Um, there's a lot of other smaller farms who don't have a brick and mortar um you know outlet so they are great to sell to restaurants and um and other farm stands and stores so um we've sort of established that niche because we created the farm stand because of the uh location that it happened to be on the north road there it's very accessible if we were down like a dirt road i don't think we'd have as much of that option but um the farmers markets have grown and expanded over the years and that has been um again something out of like people have wanted it and so we just keep growing it but our West Hampton market when we started was um you know about half the size as it is now so I think really like being in what you're in and then expanding that instead of just having eight different new markets every year you know we try to really like um maximize what we can do at one place yeah. um, and, and do I, it right too. Yes. recognize what's yeah. working and then just work efficiently yeah towards that 
and then not being afraid sometimes to cut something out that doesn't feel like if you have that sense that it's not working for your business or um, you're spending more than you're making and there's no profit in that, um, you have to sometimes take a hard look at it and be like, okay, we need the profit to keep buying equipment and keep paying people more and, you know, keep reinvesting. And if we don't have that, then our business can't grow. And the only reason why we've survived all these years is because we've been able to grow and expand and change, you know, not just stay rigid in what we did at that moment. So it's really important to keep that momentum, but also be flexible and adaptive, you know, to, to what's changing or the times or, you the know, balance is people yeah, moving out to the North Fork and, <laughs> you know, providing a way for them to get their veggies easily. So, um, and yeah, the CSA program has been huge and we've expanded that by offering more drop sites on Long Island and Brooklyn. So again, if we've kind of maximized the amount that we can do out here, we're spreading it on Long Island so that we can also serve other communities that um, don't have farms down the road, you know? Um, and I think that that's really great because uh, Long Island, as you know, is becoming mostly suburban and it's close to the city. So there's very few farms up, you know, further west. But um, I think... Yeah, the other thing that we do is our kitchen on site, and that is unique as well. But it is true. I've looked at other farms when I travel, and, um, you know, there's not many that are, like, have a farm, have a farm stand as big as ours, and then have the kitchen operation connected. So um, sometimes we ask ourselves, are we crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why are we doing this? But it feels really good, and the community loves it, and... Um, you know, I always support other businesses that want to start that. And I think the more, the better in that way, there's a lot of demand for it. Um, but I do think it would be hard to start that all up from scratch now, um, given the North Fork and the pricing of everything. And actually, um, you're always such a great person to talk to you when it comes to pricing. And I think that this is just such a hard subject for business owners and for entrepreneurs. Mm Um, and we talk about this a lot yes. because you are very confident in knowing the value behind what you're selling mm-hmm. and everything that goes into it and everything you just talked about. Yeah. And, um, you know, it kind of also speaks on what you were saying about, you know, you have to recognize when something isn't working and you have to be able to have a sustainable business. And it's mm-hmm. not always about the bottom line, but you do need that. So it's kind of like a mix yeah. that... People want you around. They love saying Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that you need to work in order to make it work. Yeah. But also sometimes you kind of hit a little bit of friction because you don't know what to charge or you do, especially this year. I mean, things are just like totally out of hand. But mm-hmm. can you speak on a little bit yeah. about your pricing and just even in a general way too, everyone kind of has a hard time putting like a monetary value on their work. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where you always have a really good point of view on. Especially on when that. you're like a one of one, you're not just like you do all these right. extra things and you're creating extra value. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing. Like sometimes that's why we say like, are we crazy for being doing what we do? Why is no one else able to do it? It's because it's very expensive. Um, but you have to have confidence in knowing um, that you, I always say <laughs> I can't protect people from the true cost of food and of what, what we do costs. And I think sometimes we feel like if people say something like that's expensive, I can't afford it. Um, you know, those are triggering sometimes because you do have heart for that. And, um, you know, we've all been in a place where we couldn't afford something or something was too expensive, but, um, 
the thing is, like, I try to see it like I have to feed the farm, <laughs> you know? Sure. The farm feeds people, but I have to feed the farm, and money does that. <laughs> and if the farm is fed well with that money to be able to buy our supplies, you know, pay our staff, keep people on, um, you know, grow food on Long Island, pay our high lease and rent prices for things, um, then we will be able to thrive. Um, if we are struggling to get by and we can't even afford to grow the business or get a new vehicle that we need to transport the crew, um, how are we able to then um, continue? I mean, we will just be another business out here that couldn't make it. So I do think that sometimes kind of explaining that to people is helpful. Um, and also just it's... It's hard competing with the price of grocery store vegetables um, because all of the things that go into that, those prices being low. Conventional um, farming yeah, versus and, organic farming. But not even that. It's just like conventional and organic is one thing. But um, buying something locally out here versus, like I was saying, grown in right. California, Mexico, right. um, you know, what the minimum wage is there is, you know, one fraction, literally, of what ours is. Um, and so even with fuel prices going up, they're still able to ship that stuff. Um, so just, I think, people understanding more about where food comes from from the grocery store helps them realize that grown out here, um, not only are you getting it fresher, tasting better, it lasts longer, you know, all those benefits of health and nutrition, but in addition, you're also paying people that live out here to do that, mm -hmm. and you're supporting a business. Um, you <coughs> know, local no economy, right? Employing <laughs> yeah. those people, yeah. Yeah, no farmers are rolling in it, you know, and most business owners out here aren't either. Um, but who's to say that farmers should always be uh, scraping their pennies together and not able to, you know, go on a vacation or afford a vehicle? Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I think sometimes, you work really hard. <laughs> right. But I think sometimes we're okay with uh, the cost of things from, you know, let's just say a lawyer, for instance, or another job. We're okay paying a certain price for certain services, but somehow with food, there is a weird mentality that it should be cheap, and it's sort of BS. <laughs> I, it's such a it's good cultural, point. It's cultural, I think, such a good point. You know? So there's just so much of an education value that goes into it. Yeah. It's kind of maybe some sticker shock at first for some people that aren't yeah. used to that scene. Right. And then realizing. Yeah. You get what you pay for. And standing in that confidence, too, like you're saying. And I really yeah. tried to share that with all my staff. And I think that if it comes, like, I believe that. It's not something I'm saying. It's like I truly know. So there's no question about it. I see the bills. I see what comes in and goes out. It is the reality, <laughs> you know, that we're all in kind of break-even sort of businesses here. But, um, but I think that explaining that to people that work for me or the people that are selling the produce and getting them to understand the reason behind Behind it and why things cost so much um, that helps translate to the customer as well um, because yeah some people get you know a little bit flustered by that but I try to tell them that that is more on their um, end of being flustered by it and you know I think that people that come to our store like they're making a choice to not go to the supermarket and they're making a choice to shop local. So if they're in our place, they want to be there and they want to buy it. They just might need a little convincing that what they're buying is um, worth it, you know, and that they are putting their money towards something and that it's going to our farm. So I think that 
part has led me to doing more social media and education and newsletters and things like that. I feel like the more I can, again, upstream, like teach people about it, then we're not answering that question of why does it cost that much, you know? Um, of sure, you're going to have people that don't really want to hear your answer and you have to know when to call it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can't win them all it's, and you can't say it's just yes such a, to everyone. <laughs> it's just such a powerful message. And I think it's so good for other business businesses to hear it yeah. and for customers to hear that because yeah. listening to all that goes into it and every business has the same kind of just from the ground up passion and yeah. pride in the work that you're doing yeah. and um when there's that value behind it mm-hmm. and especially it's not like you're putting out like a b-minus product in your kitchen and right. your produce <laughs> that's yeah. we always have this problem at bronze like yeah. like you can go to king Kong and get your fish if you want yeah. but like this is all the best of the best and yeah. all the local stuff is being brought to us by local fishermen that we're paying directly like yeah. it's all legal it's mm-hmm. all and yeah. it's like you said using the social media and other tools at your disposal educating your staff to Mm -hmm. be able to inform the customer like Mm -hmm. this is what it takes and this is what all goes into it and this is how we arrive at this price like and making sure the quality is there exactly we are very um i read a book about um like as an entrepreneur i can't remember i think it was called the pumpkin plan it's a great book but it was talking about that you have your area of um, expertise and that you can't be all things to all people um you have to sort of pick one and ours i think is quality i think there was like convenience and then um i don't know what the word for it was but basically like being affordable like being cheap the cheapest I, thing on the market yeah, my like, dad always says quality service price pick two yeah and you probably like us are quality and service. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're and not going to be the cheapest, service, but yeah, yeah. it's quality. But you can have both. And I even think about it. Um, I think their example was like McDonald's, let's say. You might think in your head, oh, but which one are they? They're convenience because they're not the cheapest option. People can go to the grocery store and get 10 pounds of beef and make all those burgers for a fraction of what you pay for, you know, yeah, uh, one McDonald's burger. But we're constantly fed the message that like people eat fast food because they can't afford to, you know what I mean, buy food. Sure. But it's actually more of a convenience thing, you know. Um, That's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. I also think that we happen to be really fortunate with our community and mm-hmm. I think what is so attractive about the North Fork is, like, it's working. Mm-hmm. The work that you're doing, Lucy, and the work that you're doing, <laughs> Cody, and your family, and that quality mm-hmm. is just, it, it's palpable. And I think that's what's so attractive about the area and, and just the small businesses and everything goes into it. So I people show up for it, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's not like it's this uphill battle all the time, but I do recognize it we had that great conversation too Mm -hmm. and I was kind of struggling with yeah this year's prices and inflation and you know us being this kind of casual breakfast lunch we do dinner as well of course but you know I kept struggling like how much can you charge for an omelet and you were really had such a good point saying listen like people want you to be here first of all right they want to see you here for a long time Mm -hmm. and so if that means you have to increase your prices like and I know just what you said Mm -hmm. you stand behind it because you know the quality is there yeah. and you know how that it's going to be different than, yeah. you know, something. And that it's fair. You know, I think that's the word is fair. Um, meaning that it is not 
cheap, inexpensive. I mean, those words kind of trigger me because it's all about subjective, like, ideas of what expensive is, you know? (laughs) I mean, we'll spend a lot of money on one thing but not on the other, and that is such a personal subjective experience that's so related to how you grew up, what your values are, etc. But I think that when you stand behind, you're like, this is what it costs. This is a fair price so that I can make this much to pay the bill for the food, this much to pay my chef, this much to keep the lights on, you know? And then something to go towards the emergency fund for when COVID Mm -hmm. shuts you down, you know? Yeah. Or just January. Exactly. (laughs) Or just winter. Yeah. Just winter. Same for us. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Um, You know, and I think that really uh, there is another thing of like the scarcity versus abundance mentality that I think you have to try to always sit in that abundance, even when it's not, because if you get bogged down by that scarcity and you are really feeling like there's not enough there's never enough we don't we're not gonna be able to charge enough like you end up projecting that to people and your customers and your staff feel that and then there isn't (laughs) you know you've made it happen in a way manifest it um yeah yeah my mom always used to say you always think abundance and you never think lack and Mm -hmm. it is because what you think about kind of you manifest what that what that is like Not enough that you can't time, make, enough, okay. you know, sure. and, and I guess maybe to answer your previous question, when I'm feeling like stressed out and bogged down, I try to really remember, you know, and practice that like gratitude of, of what we have and, and what the joys are and the, the the silver lining of all the things that are hard and difficult of sure. running a business of saying, okay, well, I get to choose what I do every day and, you know, be the architect of the day, you know, and that is like something I love. So would I have it any other way? No. Is it hard? And, you know, you always have to eat that sometimes, but, um, but you know, we've, we've all chosen it and also remembering that we chose it. And yeah. <laughs> this is what we wanted. I say that to myself sometimes, you know, when it's slammed and I have a million things in my hands yeah. and I'm really sweating somewhere and I'm like, this is what we wanted. Being this busy is, is exactly a good problem. What <laughs> You're like, it'll be easy. They said, and it's like, no, no one said that. <laughs> it's so refreshing though, because it is, um, it is so important to reflect on those times and to keep those things in perspective and realize that like, you know, we are doing what we love and we love what we do. And I guess that's, that kind of answers one of my other questions too. It's Mm -hmm. like, why do we, why do we do this? Why are we doing this to ourselves? (laughs) I think that having like purpose and having, um, you know, feeding people like we all do in some way or form, um, it's very palpable and real. And I think so many jobs are not in a way where you don't really know the positive effect you're having. It's so far removed. And so to see people every day and also be on the ground sometimes, you know, none of us are removed fully from that day to day. It's like you really see what you're doing. So yeah, it doesn't always feel, it feels like work, but it feels like your life's work where like we all need a purpose, you know, people say, Oh, I don't want to work. And then they're bored. (laughs) You need purpose, whether it's volunteering somewhere or whatever. And some people don't find that in their job, but they find it in their hobbies or their you know community work but I think either way like we all need that in our lives to to give us satisfaction so um however we help people however we serve people that is sort of our you know our purpose in a way and um yeah it it helps to really have passion for it I think sure so sometimes I feel like um you know I used to think of like a high-paying job and I was like I feel like the sacrifice there is that you might not enjoy it, and that's why you get paid so much. Yeah, right. There's always <laughs> but, a trade-off. Yeah, Very true. you might get paid less, but the the what do you use money for anyway? You know, I do. I have it. to agree that 
I think everyone has that potential. I know everyone has that potential. And I think it just speaks to, I think, that kind of work that you're doing that is feeding you as well. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it does. You know, I don't, I love, I really do like coming to work and I do love what I do. Yeah. And so it, it does kind of speak to that why we do it Mm because it's it's not all rainbows and butterflies and fun but it's rewarding yeah and it had and it's working and when you leave for the day not every day Mm -hmm. when you leave for the day you feel like you've accomplished something and that yeah it aligns with your values and it aligns with things that are important to you and Mm -hmm. when I think people find that whatever it is like it could be um whatever career but I think when it aligns with what their values are then Mm -hmm. I think they're happy. Yeah. yeah. And like you, the thing is you can change too. Like it's maybe someone else might get a different job if they decide they want something different. But the cool thing is like you can start a podcast or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, like start another side shoot of your business. Like that is the cool thing is like even within our businesses, we have that, you know, Creative agency yeah, yeah, to change it up or do something different if we're bored by it or feel like it's stagnant. And that's the cool thing is like, we don't have to just go out and get a new career. We just change what we're doing into the next thing we want to do. And there's, yeah, I love that. that's and that's true. cool. So, yeah. so if you are feeling stagnant in it, you know, I feel like even as a business owner, you can realize that you have that power to change it or you don't have to do something just because you have done it and you've said yes to people, you know, or even for us, like having a product that we've always had if it doesn't work like it's okay for me to not have that yeah (laughs) or for you to say like okay this item on my menu is no longer working Mm -hmm. for many reasons and and that's okay we'll have something else you know like when someone's like you should have smoothies yeah and I'm like oh dear lord no (laughs) (laughs) no thank you yeah yeah that's great I love that (laughs) it's it's so inspiring and it's so true and it's so nice to know that we can just reinvent it all yeah that's it would you have any um, any advice for maybe a young farmer or even just maybe someone looking to own their own business? Or even younger Lucy from 12 years <laughs> ago when she first got into farming. Lucy. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, man. I remember my college um, reaching out uh, Skidmore and asking for any advice for the um, people graduating in 2020 because they were going to be entering the working world in a very hard time and my grade um, we graduated right when you know the 2008-2009 like financial sure. crisis was so um, I kind of feel like I had a similar thought process with that which was um, kind of like I said in the begin- very beginning is following the lifestyle um, and trying to really figure out what what lights you up with the lifestyle, focusing less on the specific interest, you know, but more of like, what do you like to do? Like what type of, like what kind of person are you? Like what lights you up, you know? Um, But also figuring out what you don't mind working hard for. Because sometimes, you know, I always say (laughs) to people at the farm, like, I know you're not doing it. Like, you want to know how, like, I know you don't want to do it. You're not doing it. So it's like, we all have those things we procrastinate, you know, like, sure. I remember we talked about the paperwork sometimes. Oh yeah. My um, pile of files in my basement right now. Yeah. And sometimes we just have to do it. But, uh, but I think finding a career and a job and something that, um, that you don't mind. And when you finish something that feels really hard for that work, you feel satisfied instead of depleted, you know? Um, what a powerful way to approach something. Imagine if that was how 
people approach their careers and their decisions and any decision in their life like what lights you up like what drives you what can you work really hard on and still feel freaking awesome at the end of the day and want to go to work because sometimes even at the farm I can't believe it sometimes how people how hard everyone works for the farm and then comes back the next day like energized and it inspires me again because I you know certain things I've done so many times that I'm bored by but when I see a new person do it and be like or come up with a new way I'm like yeah there's you know it's it's inspiring so I think yeah that and then surrounding yourself by good people and um and working for a business to learn from someone who you know really inspires you in that way um and if you want to start a business I would I guess my advice would be to I mean definitely think really hard about it and um don't I like don't romanticize it like get in the nitty-gritty and um and learn from people who have done it don't just you know, try to do your own thing right away, like do your research, you know, because I think that can go a long way of learning how other people have done it, but then you can kind of come up with a new way of doing it. Like you. And responding to, (laughs) responding to demand. Yeah. (laughs) It's great advice. Great conversation. I don't think I have anything else. Always so inspiring. I love it. Thank you. It was so fun. I just, I'm actually like, this is, Every time I talk to Lucy, I always just feel this way. So thank you so much. You're ready, um, ready to tackle Thursday tomorrow. Yes, I, I'm, t- I'm all good. I'm like so energized. We're going into our winter slumber tonight. We're going to wake up and it's spring. Yeah. I know. It's good. Um, any little shout out as to where people can find info about Sangley? Um, yeah, our website or our Instagram, Do you Sangley run Instagram? Farms. Yes, but I also have it's help amazing. with it from yeah, um, from my yeah. farm stand manager. And uh, speaking of finding inspiration, I like every time, I'm like, damn, that's such a good idea. I <laughs> love so it. Good. <laughs> it's very good. My friend Alicia has also helped me with. Um, she posts like recipe videos and stuff, and uh, you know she loves it, and it helps us too. So that's been a really nice collaboration. Keep but, it up. Yeah. yeah, that's when like me and Brent are standing in the kitchen, like eating a carrot, looking at each other, like. <laughs> This is, did you taste this carrot? <laughs> this, is this how it they're supposed magic. to taste? They're, they're like alive. I mean, it's ridiculous. It happens all the I time. I know, you've texted me. I know, I do text you. What's what up with this kale? This? <laughs> Love. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lucy. Yeah, thank, thank you, you guys for having me. Thank you for coming. I feel honored. Uh-huh. Thanks so much. It's so fun. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to tell a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Get in touch on Instagram at For the Love of Business Podcast. Our email is For the Love of Business Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Cody. And I'm Carolyn. And this was For the Love of Business. Ooh.